Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the breakfast, the, the, the Faith FM network, <laughs> wherever you are. <laughs> Uh, positively different radio in the morning. You're with the Double L team, Lyle and Liam. Good morning, Lyle. Are you struggling this Monday morning? Well, see, see, it's Monday, so I've got it is indeed Monday itis. And also, that was just to remind our listeners that the introduction is not pre-recorded. No, it's not. It's live every day. <laughs> it is indeed. Um, so yeah, how are you this morning? What are you thankful for? I think we all need to be thankful for the obvious this morning. I think so too. We need to be thankful for our mothers. Indeed. Um, you know, we all... Where, where do you even begin in paying tribute to your mother? I, I Yeah, look, I, I would begin when I was born, um, even a little bit before then, but... Um, since then, it is just mind-boggling, isn't it? It's it just, is. It's just like you know, and, and as you say, it can go back to before you were born. Here, here is someone who has the ability to be able to bring a new life into the world, to carry that new life inside their own body for nine months. And you then, know, it's just like <laughs> mind-blowing. For not me. only carry it inside of them, but then push it out, and then push it out. And, wow! And 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 then there's this. Yeah, it's, it's just. You know, mothers are the most, they're just the most amazing. They are The most amazing people that there are on the earth. And yesterday, of course, was Mother's Day. So a huge shout out to all of our mothers. And uh, yeah. My mother pushed six babies out. So, you know, really hats off to her. Yep. Champion right there. She does really well. Um, So yeah, well, well, you stole what I was going to be thankful for this morning. No, I think we're both allowed to. We are both allowed to be thankful for the same thing on Mother's Day. And we are both allowed to be thankful for it every Mother's Day. Because the, the rule is you're not allowed to repeat yourself, but we can repeat ourselves once a year on this one. We can indeed. <laughs> we have to. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Liam, what have we got in positively different news? Positively different news. We are travelling over to Vienna in Austria. They have a concept to create, uh, it's a creative way to encourage social distancing by creating a, uh, a garden hedge maze. Now, the reason that they've got this is because lots of people currently, uh, th- th- lots of cities around the world have been closing down their parks because of fears that there'll be social gatherings. However, uh, you know, people still need to get out and about and get into the outdoors and enjoy nature. And um, what they've done with this is created a way so that people can still go out and still maintain social distancing rules. I think it, the with this, it'd probably be up to 20, uh, sorry, 20 to, up to two metres apart from each other. So um, they've called it uh, Parc de la Distance. And it's, uh, yeah, and so what visitors would do is if they were seeking relief uh, of green urban space, they would walk through a 20, it would be a 20 minute walkthrough of a maze-like structure of spirals, of hedges, uh, from one end to the other. They'd manage how many people are inside the maze at one time uh, by having a gate at one end and a gate at the other end. Um, and yeah, so I thought it was a wonderful idea. Have you ever been inside a, uh, a, a hedge maze, Lyle? No, I have not. I've been in, in one before. Yes. And it was in a town, a, a place called Glen Innes. In uh, it's close to the, a couple of hours south of the New South Wales Queensland border. Um, New South Wales, yeah. So yeah, so I I did that. I was on a, a mission trip 
uh, there, a storm commission trip, uh, which is something that we might uh, on a different different uh, more show we might talk about about Stormco one day. Uh, but yeah, it's essentially it's a mission trip uh, going out there doing a kids club and uh, for the final for the final activity to ha- sort of have some fun with every with just the, the the group that was going out there. We went to a hedge maze and we had some fun. Cool. How long did it ta- take you to solve the maze? Uh, it took some people. Uh, two minutes took other people almost two hours so <laughs> two hours <laughs> yeah um, so one thing that they were very grateful one thing that the the when they picked the way when they created this maze they did something very smart and in both in the center of the maze and on the outside on the very outside of the maze they created this platform that you could stand on and look inside to either help you work out how to get out or help other people get out and um there were what we chose to do instead was stand up on those platforms and just laugh at the people that couldn't get out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we were loving it. Yes. We were absolutely loving it. And how long did it take you to solve the maze? Um, I, I wasn't the fastest. I think it took me close to twenty minutes. Okay. Yeah. So I got lost a couple of times, and because I've always looked at those hedge mages, I'm like, those just look too easy to be even interesting. You think that? Yeah. You'd think that. I mean, I've been in, I haven't been in a hedge maze, but I've been in a wooden one. Mm. It's made out of wooden walls. And it took me all about 30 milliseconds and I was through it and I was like, well, that was lame. Mm. How tall was it? Uh, probably. Above your head. Was it above your head? Yeah, no, it was 2.4. 2.4 meters. Yeah, tall. right. Maybe 2.5. Interesting. Yeah. And did you, did you start on the inside or did you go from one end to the other end? Uh, I started or- on the outside, worked to the inside. And, and then, then back out again. Back out again. Yeah. I found that that although you were going back exactly the same way, coming out was a lot harder than going in. <laughs> yeah, well, see, I went out a different way. Right. So maybe that's why it was easier. Maybe. Because when you're coming back out the same way you've come in, you think you've got the idea in your head. You think you know exactly how it works. And then you get, you get a bit overconfident. And you make a wrong turn. And, and you make a wrong turn. And, and, and then you're stuffed. And you're stuffed for, for hours on end. So, yeah, there we go. Um, so, yeah, I thought that it's still a concept in, in Vienna, Austria, this, uh, this, this plan yet. However, there's, a, there's one person that is, is really driving it. So, hopefully, it'll, uh, it'll pick up soon. And maybe some other countries around the world will do it as well. Here's a fun fact. Did you know that Austria was where hand washing was invented? Really? I mean, it was invented in the Bible. Three and a half thousand years ago, but, the, but in the modern world, the modern practice of handwashing. Um, it was a Hungarian doctor by the name of Ignaz Semmelweis. Well, there you go. Handwashing, and was absolutely persecuted for it throughout his entire lifetime until he was eventually thrown into an insane asylum where he died at the age of forty-seven. Right. What did he die of? Um, some kind of infection or something or other. Did he wash his hands properly? Well, he was thrown. In, he was he was he was put into a straight jacket and tossed into a dark room, which is you know. Oh, so he was a, he was forced of, not to wash his hands. That was an effective way of uh, dealing with somebody who has an, a, supposedly had a mental illness, isn't it? I see. Yeah. So that well, was there we go. Uh, that was that was what happened, and it wasn't until uh, a number of decades later that a bunch of people get went. Ah, oh, you know what? He was actually on the he's money on there. To, he's onto something. There. But he had all of the research. You know, he he reduced the mortality rate from ten percent to like one percent. Um, in in the wards that he was working in, and uh, particularly working with uh, mothers who were giving birth to children and so forth, and yeah, that was um, that was the story of hand washing. And now we wash our hands every thirty seconds. It we feels do. like <laughs> like every time I turn around, we do wash indeed. Our hands again. Every time I every time I look somewhere, you know, I, I can't sitting right here in the studio. I can see three bottles of hand washing Corona Killer. 
Um, hand sanitizer. Hand sanitizer, just just without even moving. It's it's making a it's yeah. So hand sanitizer companies around the world would be really doing it well. Yes, they'd be well off. I think all alcohol companies should move over to hand sanitizer. Indeed. And ditch doing alcohol. Indeed. Uh, in other news, though, uh, a teenager in New York has stumbled across 135. Uh, do- sorry, I missed a couple of zeros there. 135 thousand dollars in cash. He just happened to stumble across this on his he, walk. He, he tripped over it. Tripped over it. And uh, yeah, he took it straight to the police and he's been praised for his honesty. And I think. What was, was it in? Sorry? What was it in? It was in. Uh, um, it wasn't in anything. It was just um, wrapped in the, the plastic tape thing that goes, that keeps boxes together. Okay. Um, is, is that a, do you know what I mean? It's nope. got a particular name. It's a it's plastic thing that's like half a mil thick. And it's it's about a, a centimetre wide and it's just a, a thin tape that comes around and the box and keeps it all together and stops it falling. But anyway, it was... It was and ra- on the street like that, so you could actually yeah. see it was cash. Yeah, you could see that it was cash, wads of cash. There was like, uh, I think I saw I, I saw a picture of it. So there it must have only just been dropped. Three or four wads of cash, yeah. Because you think the first person that walks down the street and sees $137,000 is going to pick it up. Oh, but I found the owner. But yeah, and he was praised by the police. Yes. And I, uh, I think I saw that he was given a $500 check for oh, his good nice. deed. So yeah, nice. so he had the choice of... Yeah, honesty, it does pay off. So uh, uh, well done to that young man there. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Hey, Liam. Yes. Why, why, is, why is there a beanie on your microphone? Well, I've had to, <laughs> I've had to take uh, the, the little thing that stops the... P- 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 the the p- diffuser. Yeah, that one, and um, put it on our guest interviews, Mike. We have indeed. Welcome to the show, Rihanna. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, Rihanna, just... Uh, Let's start by, uh, if you could introduce yourself a little bit here as we get into the, today's program. Whereabouts are you from? I am from Dallas, Texas in the United States. And what brought you to this country? Um, I am here as a volunteer for the health department. Okay, so this is a health department for the Adventist Church in the North New South Wales region. Uh, pretty relevant time to have a health department in the middle of uh, C-19 crisis. Yeah. Um, how did you come to be a volunteer with the health department? Um, so I, I actually volunteered last year in New Zealand at a high school. Um, and I, I knew I wanted to be a volunteer because I had done a couple short-term trips and it really kind of changed my view about work and, and I guess what it means to, to be doing something that you care about and enjoy. Um, so I loved my volunteer work last year, but my passion is really health. And so this is kind of... Where I'm at now? Okay, so the uh, big question is, um, having travelled from overseas to the South Pacific, which country is better, Australia or New Zealand? Um, the, the correct answer, just in case you're wondering, is Australia, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do this to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, that's fantastic. Um, let me see here. What kind of projects and programs have you been involved in um, so far being a part of the health department here? So the big one actually was was when I had first arrived in February, we did a Sozo health retreat. And it was just this new thing to me entirely, but it was, it was so cool. I've never seen anything like it. It's where guests can basically come and they have, we have like a team of professionals, including a naturopath, dietitian, um, fitness 
experts, I guess you could say, doctors, nurse, massage therapists, like everything that you could think of. Um, and the guests can come and they, at the beginning of the week, get like a medical assessment, body composition analysis, everything like that. And then um, throughout the week, they're offered plant-based diet and guided exercises, um, health lectures, art therapy, like everything you could think of. And so it was, it was just like the coolest experience ever. And so you're putting, you've got all of these health guests that are going through this whole program and they are being blessed by it. But what about you as, as being a part of the staff? Do you get blessed as well? Yeah. And that was actually what was so special about it. I mean, really just like kind of meeting the staff and experiencing the love that they had was what had a huge difference in, in I think, the Sozo Health Retreats. But it's also just like as a staff member, I was trying things for the first time. Like we did paddle boarding, which I had never done before. And I had never tried juicing before, but I was helping with the juicing station. And so it was like actually tasting all the juices and getting to do that. And, um, and also just, I guess, being with the guests who were trying to like make big life changes um it just is like this really cool support group of people and we still get to be in touch and so it's really special you mentioned uh juicing what was the most interesting juice combination that uh, that you came up with on the retreat well interesting for me is going to be a little different than for y'all because for me i'm like oh i i don't ever have you know passion fruit and things like that like things that are a little less common in the united states yeah so i thought that was amazing but <laughs> Do they not have passion fruit in the in the US? I lived there for three and a half years. I don't remember not having passion fruit, but I guess I come from Tasmania where they don't have passion fruit either. <laughs> I'm sure they do, but not that I had ever tried. Yeah, it's not not a common thing. Well, there you go. Okay, fantastic. Now, um, since the Sozo Health Retreat, have you been involved in anything else? Any other programs since then? Yeah, currently um, we're working on something that's called the Live More Project. And it's it's actually my first time helping with one, running one. so it's, it's still new to me. I'm still kind of learning about everything that goes into it. But so far, it's been really cool because it seems so simple. You start out with like, you need to talk kindly to yourself and get sunshine and get outside. And it seems like, okay, yeah, I can do those things. But once you're actually challenging yourself to do it and then... It also has like, okay, tell someone that you are grateful for them. Okay, sounds simple enough. But once you're actually being challenged to do it on a, like a daily and weekly basis, it, it kind of shifts, I guess, your focus because after I, for example, like I went on a walk yesterday and I was, you know, just in the sunshine listening to something and I was got back feeling like, wow, I did something positive for myself and my health because I got outside, got the sunshine, was listening to something uplifting and so it's like feels really good yeah that's fantastic and um you came here to to volunteer in the health department what's your background do you have a background in health that kind of uh, work education or was this just something you have a passion for (laughs) um definitely my passion but i had also worked in a surgery scheduling office for about four years um i had been the billing supervisor so i only really worked with numbers. I I was a supervisor, so I was still working with my team, but it was a lot um, more of the background work, a lot of back-end technical stuff rather than actually getting to meet people and see them on their journey and see how they do. So this has been 
really great to like, especially with the Sozo Health Retreats, see people within one week have this huge revelation about health and about their life and, and want to make a change. Okay, so number crunching and record keeping and that kind of stuff is absolutely critical for uh, you know maintaining a health system. You've now worked on both sides. Uh, having worked on both sides, you know, in the back, in the back end with all of the numbers, at the front end with all of the people. Moving forward, uh, what part of health work do you want to continue in? Oh no! Which which of the two do you prefer <laughs> to do? Um. Wow that that's a good question. Um. You know, I'm actually really, really been praying about that right now. Um, literally this morning, I was just praying, you know, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, that's where I want to be. Um, I had considered continuing to volunteer. Um, I have a friend who works at a hospital in Malawi, and I had considered going out there. And that would be, I think, a little bit of both like we're doing here. Um, but I also had thought about going back home and, and working in a hospital or a doctor's office and I don't know. How long, how long since you've been home? <laughs> um, I got to go home for a couple months um, before coming here. Okay. So not too long. Yeah, it's not too long. Yeah. That's, that's not so bad. And Malawi, have you ever worked in a developing country before? No, I, I did um, a short-term mission trip in Bolivia, but that was only for a couple weeks. Um, and that was the trip that really inspired me to leave my job and my country and start being a volunteer in the first place. So, um, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. So you kind of know what you'd be getting Not yourself into. really. Yeah. A little bit go, of a taste. If you, yeah. go, if you go to Malawi, how long of a contract would that be? That I don't know because it's not it's not like this where it's all clear cut and I haven't actually talked to him yet. I've just talked to his parents who were like, yes, that would be great. You need to go because um, they were saying that they're they're really low on help out there and so they'll run out of saline in the middle of the day because nobody is there to see how much they have, see how much they're going through and order more. So it's just they need help. They need your skill set by the sounds of it. <laughs> Being able to keep track of everything that's going on in there, yeah, that's 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 amazing. And uh, you're a young person. Uh, do you recommend that all young people should uh, just sort of, you know, leave their job, uproot themselves, and travel around the world and start volunteering? Um, I think that it's been an amazing experience for me, and I've met some really, really awesome people that have done the same thing as me. So I think it's great if if you feel called to do that. Absolutely. By all means, if you, you feel called for even a moment, do it. Um, but I know a lot of people, that's not, I guess, what they would want. That's not what they feel called to do. And really, I think what I've learned in being a volunteer is that it's it's tough, first of all, because you're, you're the learning curve of trying to, first of all, for me, driving on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> and like No, no, yes, no. Yes. Driving on the right side of the road, the correct side of the road. Everything else is different. That is wrong. But <laughs> no, but right. like... Off air, we're going to have a fight. <laughs> <laughs> but like I was spending so much time learning all the new things about it and I wasn't able to, I guess, just jump right in and start doing the work. And then at least... East in New Zealand, I had to leave all of the amazing people that I met and all of the, the young people that I care about so much. And I'm not there anymore. And that's really hard. And so I guess one thing about going home, if I was to work from home, would be it would be great to to know that I can be 
someone's support for more than a year. And I guess people would be a little less hesitant to get close to me because I'm not leaving soon. So it, it's hard. It's hard. What well, there, of course, there is always the op- option of uh, not leaving. Would that ever be an option? To not leave Australia. Or to not leave uh, Australia or New Zealand or Malawi. There are people <laughs> who do that, you know, their yes. entire life. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I, I haven't... It's really been hard for me to, I guess, plan long term because a couple of years ago, this is all I had planned out. And now I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what might come next? Yeah, I don't know what comes next. Um, I know that when I was in Bolivia, I met a couple who literally had nothing other than we travel and we go all over the world and they were making us food at that time so they were it was there was nothing that was was too you know i guess servant like for them to do anything you asked them to do they were like yes and they were so happy to be there and do that and i think it was that couple that really inspired me to do what i do so yeah, wherever. We see a lot of young people. It's a bit of a thing these days. We see a lot of young people who will, you know, go and do van life or go and travel the world. Mm. Uh, we live in, a, in an environment where the ability for a young person to go out and, you know, buy their first home is pretty limited, uh, particularly in countries like Australia and New Zealand. And so a lot of them have gone, yeah, you know what, we're never going to be able to own our own home, so we're going to travel instead. And what you've chosen to do is to is to do that through acts of service and volunteering for um, you know, different organizations to make the world a better place, and I think that's fantastic. Thank you. Um, okay, so um, Health Week. Let's talk about Health Week. It is Health Week this week. Mm-hmm. Um, what's Health Week all about? Health Week is... Um is something that is set by the South Pacific Division. and it- Okay, so just to explain to our listeners, mm-hmm. that's the Adventist Church in the South Pacific region, so that includes Australia, New Zealand, and the South Pacific Islands. Yes, yep. okay. thank you for that. <laughs> no worries. Um, and this week um, is really important because we have a couple of our programs that are free, actually, until the end of the week. And so um, we are having health experts come and give free health lectures, Um but we're also having people that are telling their health story and how those programs, as well as the Sozo Health Retreats, have impacted their lives. So they're talking about um, the Live More Project. They're also talking about, I believe, de-stress, which is a super new project to me, but it's it's really interesting because it's like a group discussion, where a place where people can come and kind of like a support group for the stress of life, which is kind of unavoidable <laughs> okay so we've got these group discussions and we've got these uh presenters that are coming in we've got a whole bunch of programs that are being offered free just for this week so this is the week to jump on it yeah they've and been make the free for a couple months or i guess yeah two months now but this is kind of the last week. kind of coming to an end so we want to make sure everybody who could hear about it does so c19 is coming to end which means that a lot of the free stuff is coming to end so make <laughs> the most of it while you can all right so this is this is kind of have a, has a level of urgency to it then that you get a become a part of this how do people access all of these free programs and material that you are offering this week yeah so our our conference page the north new south wales conference page has all the information about how to access it we are live streaming it on facebook and youtube yes but i think the easiest way to to see it is through the conference okay so to go to north new south wales conference sda just you, and you'll find all of the details. Yeah, and then you're going to go to right the there. health page. So health page, okay, yes. the health page. Once you get there, so click mm-hmm. on health, and you'll find a whole slew of stuff that is being um, offered for free. 
Yep. Rihanna, it has been amazing having you as a part of our show today. Thank you so much for joining us. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Question of the day. Yes, question of the day is one that came in from one of our listeners to the end program. So uh, super glad to have uh, people watching the end and asking questions. Of course, if you've got questions while you're watching the end, um, I know on YouTube there's a little live uh, bar on the side of the thing or you can put your comments underneath. In Facebook, there's can, a comment section as yep, well. Facebook, there's a comment section. You can ask your questions right there. Uh, we'll try and answer those for you. We'll also try and answer the uh, the here on Faith FM. The question is this. By what name or what pronunciation of name will we know Jesus when he returns? Now, that's an interesting question. It is indeed. Because are we going to, you know, my natural reaction is to see Jesus coming and say Jesus is coming. Be super excited. This is Jesus. I can see Jesus. But somebody who speaks Hebrew, the language that, you know, Jesus was raised in, would say this is Yeshua. So which one of those names will we actually use? Will we use the transliteration of his name that is comfortable for us, or will we use his actual name? You know, it's, it's interesting when I travel around the world, if I'm in a Spanish-speaking country, people call me Lile, which sound, kind of sounded weird, but in Spanish that's how my, my name is pronounced, Lile. In Korea, of course, they pronounce my name Hryl, with an R sound. Uh, of course, Lyle is originally a French name where it's, called, where it's pronounced L'Isle. L'Isle. Um, and so, you know, every person's name has a different transliteration that makes it easy for people to use depending on what part of the world that you come from. And of course, we have lots of, you know, Asian students come to Australia and they give themselves uh, an English name while they're here in Australia just because it's easier. And then you have others who don't. And it's kind of like, well, you don't really care between the two. Uh, but then again, you've got some other alternatives. A very good alternative is that he could go with Emmanuel which means the meaning of that is God with us. And I think that would be a great name for him to turn up and uh, would really highlight the effect that Jesus has come back to this earth and taken us to be with him if he introduces himself as Emmanuel. Um, he could use the name Michael. Uh, as a controversial one. Uh, we've covered that a few times. Feel free to send your questions through on that one. He could also call himself I Am. And this is one of the most common names that Jesus uses in the New Testament. People don't actually pick it up, but he's constantly using um, the name I am. Um, I am the door. I am the way. I am the word. I am the vine. I am the rock. I am the bread. And, you know, we could go on and on and on through all of the I am's. But when Moses was when God introduced himself to Moses and Moses says, well, what is your name? He said, my name is I am the self-existent one, the Tetragrammaton. So you could use that name, Yahweh. The Bible, you know, Jesus has the name Yahweh, or he could use the Greek transliteration of Yahweh and go with Jehovah. he go with Elohim or El Shaddai. And of course, don't even let's get started on titles. You know, I'm looking at a list here in front of me right now of at least 50 different titles that Jesus has. The simple answer is this. The Bible does not say. The Bible does not say what name or pronunciation of name Jesus is going to be known by when he returns. What the Bible does say is that when Jesus comes back, 
we can welcome him as our best friend. And that is what is most critical because when somebody is your best friend, you know what? They're entirely comfortable with the name that you're using.